Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. We are in week number three of this uh, series we call The Promises of God. If you missed the last two weeks, I encourage you to jump back on YouTube or maybe an audio podcast. Uh, if you don't subscribe to either of those, I would encourage you to do that, and you can grab these messages uh, in this series. Most of the time we preach in message series and they build on one another. And we said a couple of weeks ago and then, and then again last week that the promises of God are in two levels. The first level is a universal promise. Uh, it applies to everybody. The second level is an applied promise of God, which is what we're preaching about. And that's where you have to decide, I have a part to play in this promise, in this promise coming to pass in my life, in my family, in my church, in my marriage. Second Peter uh, 1 is our theme verse. I'll show you that one more time. God has given us his very great, Second Peter 2 and 1, his very great and precious promises so that through them, two things happen in your life. Number one, you get to participate in the divine nature or the supernatural move of God in your life. How many of you need God to supernaturally move in every area of your life? Hands up. That's me. I need that. I need that every day of my life. I know you need the same thing in your life. You're a better spouse. You're a better parent. You're a better employee. You're a better Christian when God shows up and supernaturally gives you the strength and wisdom that you need to lead. But the second thing is what I want to talk about today, and that is if you'll, if you'll apply these promises through them, the Bible says, through these applied promises, you get to escape the corruption in the world caused by, I want you to underline this if you have it in your Bible, caused by evil desires. Now, I want you to know first off today that this is a spirit-filled church, and that doesn't mean weird. Maybe you have an encounter with a church that called themselves spirit-filled, and you think, well, that's spooky. Let me go ahead and just tell you, uh, spirit. If, if it's spooky, it's not the Holy Spirit, all right? Uh, if it's weird, it's probably you and not God, right? I've been in weird. I grew up in a lot of weird, and I know that sometimes people get weird. God doesn't get weird ever, ever, ever. But uh, I, I also know that in spirit-filled circles and spirit-filled Christians and Christians that are in church today, we blame a whole lot of our life on spiritual forces that are actually the devil called choice. Let me say it better this way. Uh, instead of looking for booger men around every corner, you probably ought to look back over your life and think, how did I create this world I'm currently living in? A lot of times it's not the devil. A lot of times it's me. A lot of times it's my choice. A lot of times it's I, I have decided to, to live this way, walk this way. There are consequences. I'm, I'm not taking away. Matter of fact, I'll preach to you in a moment. I, I, there are spiritual forces at work. But the majority of what I deal with is my, the Bible says, it's corruption in the world caused by me. Point to yourself and say, I did this. I did this. Now, I don't want you to feel a ton of guilt and shame today, so that's all I'm, I'm not going to make you feel terrible about it. But I do need you to take responsibility that I have the life I have today because of my choices, because of my choices. Last week, Pastor Aubrey, preaching about the promises of God, 
which we've taken out of, the, out of, out of Exodus 6. Uh, I think there are four core promises God has for every person in the world. Uh, and last week he preached that first one, Exodus 6 and 6 says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out. That was last week's promise. I will bring you out. God promises to save you. Say amen to that. God promises to bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. The second promise, Exodus 6 and 6, says it like this, And I will free you. I'll free you from being slaves to them. Now, Pastor, this doesn't make any sense. There it is on the screen. This doesn't make any sense. You, I, I thought, this sounds like the same thing. I'll bring you out, and I'll free you from being slaves. Look into my eyes. There's a lot of people who have been brought out, but it's not out of you. There's a lot of people who've changed location. I've met people in my life who, who their, their locations, they think, if I can just get a different church, not y'all, but uh, other churches I've been to, if I can just go to a different church, then I'll really get fed. <laughs> if I can just go to a different place, then things are really, I need a little bit more on the stage, Mr. Audio, thank you. If I can just go to a different church, then things are really going to start. I know what it is. If I can just get a different job, this job, these people are jerks. They're messing me up and holding me back right here. I really need a different, if I can just change my location. I know what it is. I, I married the wrong person. This, 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 this woman, I can't, no, she's holding me back. If I, if I can get, I found somebody else and, and, and then you start using spiritual words like God led me to somebody else. And, and then, then I'll get, then things will get better in my life. Listen to me. The funny thing about real estate and location is wherever you go, there you are. And a lot of times it's not about where I am. It's about what I brought with me where I am. And the Israelites are out of Egypt, but Egypt is still in them. They've, they've changed locations, but there's still a location on the inside of their hearts that hasn't completely changed. Everything isn't right on the inside. I'm saved. I'm, I'm out of there. He's brought me out, but I need to be set free from how I think about. The, the Bible says they were, they were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. They still acted like slaves. And three days after they crossed into the Red Sea, they crossed into the wilderness. The Bible says they're already complaining about Egypt and what they miss about Egypt because they're thought, they thought like slaves. Write this in your notes. Your life is moving in the direction of your most consistent thoughts. Your life is moving in the direction of your most consistent thoughts. Where you are today is a, is a direct result of where you thought you would be. Let me say it better this way. I am today where my thoughts have brought me and I will be tomorrow where my thoughts take me. Your life, it doesn't matter. Listen, when it comes to your destiny, intention doesn't matter as much as direction does. I can intend to walk that way all I want to. But if my body is facing this way, by the way, you can't move your body with your head faced a different direction. I can't look that way and walk this way. Your body's designed to follow your head. And your life's designed to follow your thoughts. And if my head is facing this way, it doesn't matter how much I want to walk off the stage that way. When I put one foot in front of the other, I walk this way. Are you still alive? 
I still move in the direction of my thoughts. Let me say it like this. You can't, it doesn't matter how much you want to say you're healed. If you think about all the hurt in your life, you'll live your whole life in hurt. You'll get caught up in it. You'll find other people who are hurt. I, I, I was amazed the other day. I heard about a Facebook group for other hurt people that you can get. You can find somebody. Don't go do it. Dear Jesus. But you can find a Facebook group of other people. I, I heard of someone who, who, there was a Facebook group for people about to leave their husbands, for women who are contemplating divorce. That seems like a winning group right there. Now listen, if all you do is find yourself in a Facebook group of other people who want to leave their husbands, guess what you'll end up doing? Because if you think this way, if I, if I think depressed, if all I do is talk about depression, read about depression, I'm going to explore my depression, I'm going to sit in my depression. Just sit in your feelings and feel your feelings, okay? You can do that all you want to, but you'll feel your feelings right into depression and suicide because the way I think is the direction my life moves. I'm preaching good today. I don't even feel good and I'm preaching good. My life moves in the direction of my thoughts. Now listen, if I think like a victim, if I have a victim mentality, if I'm always thinking, well, they hurt me and they hurt. Look back over your life and think of how many jobs and how many churches you've left. At some point, it can't all be them. If I think like a victim, I'll live my life like a victim. If you're a nail, everything's a hammer, right? Everybody's out to get you. If I think this, I, I get caught, and if I think like a slave, it doesn't really matter that I've crossed the Red Sea, I'm still bound in slavery. If I think like an addict, I'm going to go ahead and bust 12 steps up. You ready for this? I know it may have helped you, and, and, and maybe, and, and, and thank God that it did, but listen to me. The first thing they'll tell you when you go to a 12-step program is once an addict, always an addict. Look into my eyes. That's a lie from hell. The Bible says it like this, that when you come to Jesus, that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, old things are passed away and all things become brand new. When you get born again, you're not always an alcoholic because you were an alcoholic. I don't think like I used to think and I refuse to live like I used to live. I've changed my mind. You think you got generational curses? Guess what you'll live under? generational you can be you can be spiritually free and living for God and still be bound by chains and acting like a slave out of Egypt no Egypt out of you headed to the promised land still wishing I was making bricks the thinking was messed up. They, the, 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 there's too many people I've met, not y'all, but other Christians. Too many people I've met who are on their way to heaven, but still plagued by the habits and the addictions and the attitudes. And you need, here's the promise of God, you need deliverance in your life. Now, when I say deliverance, so many people, you, you only think of two things. You either think of banjo playing and river. Ask somebody, they know. Or you think about somebody head spinning around, projectile vomiting, devil's deliverance. Are you with me? 
And I have met a lot of people who disqualify themselves from walking in freedom because you don't believe you need that freedom. You think, well, that's for somebody else or that's for demon-possessed people or that's for people with all this addiction problem. No, no, no. Everybody's got something in your life that if you don't let go of it, it will you'll carry it into what's supposed to be your salvation and you'll still be bound by it, still a slave to it, and you need deliverance from it. Shout amen to that. You cannot, write this down, you cannot move into your future if you have not settled your past. You can't move into your future if you haven't settled your past. You got to let go of Egypt the same way Egypt let go of you. You got to let go of Egypt the way Egypt let go of you. If they walked away from you, it's because they weren't meant for you. They could let go of you, you're going to have to let go of them. They rejected you because God didn't have them in your plan, in the destiny that God has for you. If they were able to do that, you're going to have to let them go like they let you go. You're gonna ha- you will not walk into your future if you haven't settled your past. You need deliverance and freedom in your life. I've met so many people who are still struggling with their sinful nature because they let their past limit the future God has for them. I'm not telling you you're lost. You can be saved and still bound. And you need freedom. And you need deliverance in your life. Deliverance is different than salvation. Write this down. I didn't put it on the screen. But salvation settles your eternity. Deliverance settles your life on earth. Salvation settles eternity. Deliverance, freedom, settles the life you have on earth. I've met tons of people on their way to heaven living in hell. That's not God's plan for you. It's not God's plan for you to have the hell uh, in your marriage and have hell in your relationships and have hell in the, in the relationship with your children and hell in your mind and hell in your heart and hell in depression. On my way to heaven, still bound by all of this. Why? Because I haven't settled on the inside. My location's changed, my eternity's changed, but I'm still bound by this world. Salvation takes care of that. Deliverance determines this. Salvation is instant. Salvation happens in a moment. You can get saved in your car. You can get saved in your house. You can get saved in church. You can get saved anywhere, all right? But deliverance is a process. Salvation happens in a moment. Deliverance happens in a lifetime. It's a process you got to go through. It's a, it's a daily getting up and deciding, I'm not going to be a slave to that anymore. I'm not going to think like that. I'm not going to talk like that. I'm not going to act like that. I'm not going to let my mind go there. I'm, I'm going to change my friend group. I'm going to change who I'm with. The first promise of God, listen, is a free gift. You can't do anything for it. Don't walk out of here saying, I said you had to earn it. You don't have to earn salvation. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this, it is a, everybody shout gift. Shout gift. Shout gift. Salvation is a gift. It's a gift from God. It is not a reward for good things we've done. Because if you could earn salvation, the Bible says you would boast about it. 
you'd walk around telling everybody, you can't do anything. To, I love this about God, by the way. You can't do anything to earn salvation. You don't get good enough to get to God. God says, I'll take you just like you are. And when you receive this free gift of salvation, when you receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, when you receive the atonement he purchased for you on the cross, when you are sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit, it's a free gift from God. It didn't cost you anything. It cost Jesus everything. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. Shout amen to that. Now, you're not going to shout on this one. But deliverance takes work. Salvation is a gift. But the same writer who wrote Ephesians that God saved you by grace and it's a gift of God. The second promise if the first promise is grace, the second promise is how you walk out that grace. The same writer wrote it like this in Philippians 2 and 12. I love the book of Philippians. I preached a whole series on the book of Philippians several years ago. I should do it again. None of y'all were here. Or if you were, you don't remember. You don't remember it last week. So I could preach it right now. None of y'all would know. Philippians 2 and 12 says it like this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Pastor, I thought, I thought salvation wasn't about work. It's not. The results of your salvation are about work. Salvation comes from God. But deliverance comes from me walking out this grace. You got to work hard. You got to obey God. You got to have deep reverence and fear for God. Because God is working in you. Look at this. I love this. Because God is working in you. And he gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Let me say it like this. God is working in me, changing all my insides so that I can work for God. And then when I do that, I allow more of God to work in me, changing all my insides so I can give more and change the world. And then when I make a difference in the world, God works. Are you, are you following this cycle here? This is a theological term called sanctification. You are justified... By the cross. That's the atonement. That's the free gift of God. That's the first promise of God. It's salvation. But you are sanctified. There's two works of sanctification. The first one happens the first time you receive Christ. You're sanctified, made right before God. But the second act of sanctification is you getting up every day and saying, you know what? I'm going to work hard to show this. I'm going to work hard not to be a victim anymore to what my parents did. I'm going to work hard to be a husband who sticks around when my daddy left. I'm going to work hard to not be an alcoholic like I was in my 20s. I'm going to work hard to decide not to harbor anger in my life when everything in me wants to. I'm going to work hard not to be a victim when I have every reason to be a victim. I'm going to work hard to walk out this grace God has given me. I'm going I'm to walk out this. That's deliverance. It's a process. Now listen, i got to be honest with you. I rarely find people who don't want grace. I meet a ton of Christians who don't want deliverance. You know why? Most people don't want deliverance because when you get freedom, it comes with responsibility. I like to say it this way. Most, most hurt people don't want to be healed because they get too much attention being broken. Jesus walks by this blind man in the New Testament. He says, will you be made whole? King James Version. Wilt thou be made whole? 
In other words, do you want me to heal you? Now, if you're blind on the side of the road, that's a pretty dumb question. Of course I want to be made whole. But I love that Jesus gives him the choice. Listen, and he gives us the choice. I'll save you. You don't have to do anything for that. But if you want me to fix those eyes, you're going to have to have some responsibility. Because all of your life, you've been a beggar, and all you had to do was get up in the morning, put your clothes on, or somebody helped you put their clothes on, and they set you right here, and you held out this little can, and somebody put money in it, and that's all you were responsible for all your life. But the moment I give you sight, now you got to get yourself up, get yourself dressed, get yourself a job, and take responsibility for your life. And some people want to stay hurt because they get all the attention. Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Oh, Jesus, that's terrible. That church did that to you? Oh. Oh, I just, oh, I've been church hurt too. I know. Bless your heart. That's what we say in the South. Yeah. Bless your heart. Oh, Jesus. Oh, your husband, he sounds like a dog. I hate men. Oh, those ungrateful kids. I can't believe that. Listen, not, not y'all. I'm just talking about other Christians I know. Saved, but too much attention to be healed. When you get healed and you get delivered, now there's responsibility. You know, you know the first responsibility you have is to help others. Uh, yeah. Usually when God gives you deliverance, it's because he wants you to help somebody else who's bound. Different message. So deliverance is a process. It's a, it's, it's a working out. It's, it's how, how do I have to do this? How does it work? Let me tell you how it works. Let me teach this to you. I've taught you before this, but let me tell you again. God, the God of the Bible, is triune in his manifestation. God is Father, he is Son, and he is Holy Spirit. Triune, three in one, one in three. You can't separate his threeness in the Bible, and you can't separate his oneness in the Bible. The, the book of Timothy says, Great is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifest in the flesh, preached among Gentiles, seen of angels, received up into glory. It's a great mystery that God is three, and yet he is one. Triune in his manifestation. Are you there? And God created you in his image. Therefore, you are triune. Uh, there's a chart. I want you to look at the chart. It looks like this. You are a spirit who has a soul who lives in a body. You are triune like your God. You are a spirit who has a soul who lives in, in, in a body. Now, I'm going to do this backwards because the body on the bottom part, that's your flesh. That's that outside of you. That's the stuff that, I, that my own desires, my own flesh, my own body, doing what I want to do when I want to do it, what, whatever feels good. That's what you do. You get your, your five senses are in the body. This is how I see, how I hear, how I touch, how I smell. This is what, everything there in the body. Your soul is your emotions. Now, we use soul and spirit interchangeable, but they're not. Your soul is the seat of your emotions and your will. It's what we would call your heart. So some people say, uh, just follow your heart. Look at me. Don't ever do that. <laughs> Don't follow your heart. No, who could trust your heart? The Bible says it's wicked in all of its ways. Who could, who could dare trust this heart? I can't trust my emotions. Or I, If I trusted my emotions, I'd hate you. I'd hate them. I can't believe they did that. You're not led by that. Now listen, you are at your core, at your essence, what God created is the spirit man. That's the third, that your triune, your spirit. You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. And when you get saved, listen close. I know this is a lot of theology. I'm not passing out degrees when we're done. 
When you get saved, your spirit's the only thing that gets saved. You with me? Your body doesn't get saved. It's still flesh. It still has five senses. Your soul, even though we use that interchangeably, it's different. Your heart, your emotions, your will, that doesn't get saved. The only thing that's made perfect back to God is your spirit. The Bible says that God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So when you get saved, when you give your heart to Jesus, when you decide to go all in and repent of your sins and receive salvation, your spirit reconnects with God who is a spirit, and the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, seals you in promise there. I know this is a lot of, a lot of teaching, but I'm going somewhere. Now listen, here's the reason why I want you to be a spirit-filled Christian, because the only part of you that communes with God is your spirit. The reason why I want you to to be a spirit-filled Christian, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to have a prayer language, like Paul, I'll tell you, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Here's the reason why. Because when I pray in the Spirit, it's my spirit communing with the Holy Spirit, and now I'm submitting my spirit to the will of the Holy Spirit, and then my spirit controls my soul and my body. I know that's a lot. Just catch up, okay? Go back and rewatch it. You can catch up on it. If my body's in charge, guess what? It's danger, danger, real robs, okay? It's bad things. If my soul is in charge, it's bad, my emotions. My spirit has to control everything else. The problem is my spirit got saved, but none of the rest of me did. And it's got to catch up to it. That is deliverance. It's your emotions and your will and your body and your senses and your desires catching up to what God already did in your spirit. Are you with me? Say amen. It's like a baby who's just born. If you had a brand new baby, there, remember our staff who's pregnant right now. I'm so excited for Aubrey and Megan. They're having a little boy and... I don't want to give anything away, but I think they're going to name it Mitchell. I appreciate that. Thank you all. <laughs> I'm lying, but it's not a bad idea. When a baby's first born, is it fully alive? Yes or no? When a baby's first born, is it fully grown? Yes or no? So it is in your spirit. Fully alive, but deliverance is growing it up. It's maturing who you are. And you can be saved and still need the promise of deliverance in your life. You, you, need, you need freedom from things in your life. And, and it's a process. Salvation, instantly your spirit is made right before God. But there's a pro- it's the reason why, by the way, it's the reason why in just a couple of weeks, the second week of September, actually, we launch a whole new semester of small groups. The number one factor, the linchpin of you walking in freedom are the people you walk with. Let me say that again. The, the number one, the linchpin, the fulcrum of, of success or failure in your life of freedom is about who you're walking with. They can hold you back and keep you thinking like a slave or they can move you forward in walking in full deliverance. And in, 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 in just a couple of weeks, and the second week of September, we launch a new semester of small groups. Our church for the last five years has held small groups on semester basis. Hundreds and hundreds of people gather in coffee shops and homes and restaurants and around. And, and, they, and, they, and they talk and, they, and they're growing together and they're people who are together. But I told our team this year, listen, we have a curriculum called Freedom. 
uh, imagine. We have a curriculum called Freedom that it's a, it's a 10-week it's a ten uh, process, and it walks you through. We have uh, women freedom groups and men freedom groups and couple freedom groups and student freedom groups. And, you can, and, you, and every week you're walking through this process and 10 weeks of, of getting all of this stuff out of me. And then at the end of the 10 weeks, there's a day and a half conference and everybody in freedom groups are going to go to conference. And it's a conference where you, where you meet this, that supernatural power. Remember our theme verse. Now I've worked out all of my, my evil desires. Now I need that supernatural infusion of power in my life and it lets me walk in freedom and I'm tell, I'm going ahead and preparing you I want I told our team I want every single person in this church in a freedom group this fall why because I need deliverance I need to walk this out and I think I've done you a disservice as your pastor by asking you to walk in fulfillment and to believe that you can serve on a team Without dealing with your issues. And I, I, I honestly, I, I, I have repented to God because I think we have dream teamers who are serving and trying to get fulfillment, and you haven't settled your yesterdays. And you need freedom. So go ahead and mark in your calendar. I'm gonna join a freedom group this fall. That was a free commercial. I put that in there just for y'all. <laughs> All right, let me teach you. I know you're expecting three points, I don't wanna disappoint you. <laughs> Let me give you three ways. Let me give you three ways you can have deliverance in your life. Number one, right quickly. Number one, you need victory over sin. You need victory over sin. Sin defined is the stuff I've done to me, right? It's my choices. It's my habits. It's my addictions. It's my attitude. It's my stuff. And you need victory over sin. And sin can be so discouraging because you think, Think you're over it. You ever found something in your life that you, you, ever, you ever had an outburst and you thought, man, I thought I was past that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I thought I was over that and then I saw them on Facebook and I'm not over it. I thought I was over that and then I saw them and they come walking by me at HEB and I wanted to spit on them. I'm not over it. Oh, not y'all? Just me? <laughs> I'm not over it. There's still sin in my life. There's stuff. And the devil will start tormenting you and telling you, look how terrible you are. The Apostle Paul had this same idea. Listen to this in Romans 7, 21. He said, so I find this law at work. I want to do good. And evil is right there with me. In my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work. And in my mind, in my spirit, in my soul, there's this war. There's this other law at work in me. It's this terrible law. And it's making me a prisoner of the law of sin that's at work within me. Then he says this, what a wretched man I am. And maybe you feel this way. Man, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how to get past this sin. I just keep falling in this same sin. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then I love this last line. Next slide. Whoever's on me to next slide. There it is. I love this last line. Thanks be to God. Watch this. Who shout delivers? Deliver. Thanks be to God who delivers me from this vicious cycle of sin in my life. 
Thanks be to God who delivers me. Here's what I want to tell you. You, are not, you do not have to be a slave to the same sin that you've always been a slave to. I don't care how long it's had you bound. God has promised you freedom and deliverance and victory over sin. You ought to shout to God for that. He's promised you victory over sin. Number two, let's hurry. Number two, God's promised you healing from your wounds. Healing from your wounds. Not just victory from sin, but healing from wounds. If sin is the stuff I've done, wounds are the stuff you've done to me. I'll be honest with you. I meet more Christians struggling with this than I do sin. Reuben, honestly, I, I, I think I meet more Christians. You can grasp the concept that God can deliver you from a sin, but it's, it's a struggle to believe God can heal me from a wound. It's a struggle to believe that God, that this is that these are negative things. Maybe you don't have anything to do with them. Rejection or divorce or tragedies or something somebody said about you or words spoken over you. And if you don't, listen, if you don't heal from your wounds, then the devil gets a foothold in your life. Most people don't deal from a cut. They deal from the gangrene that gets in the wound. Let me say that again. Most people don't deal from their initial wound. They, they, don't, they, don't, uh, they don't die from the initial wound. They die from the infection that surrounds it. And you may not die from the divorce. But if you don't heal from the wound, it'll cause infection in your, in your life, in your soul. In your, there'll be infection there that'll ruin every other relationship you try to get in. If you don't heal from those wounds that your parents spoke over you, if you don't heal from that teacher that told you, that preacher that let you down, if you don't heal it, the Bible said the devil gets a foothold in your life. Ephesians 4 and 26 says, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry because anger gives a foothold to the devil. It's an infection that'll get in you. And I want you to hear plain as I could possibly make it to you. Look into my eyes and listen to me. Not only has God promised you freedom and victory over sin, but God has promised you healing over your wounds. You don't have to be a victim to the stuff that happened to you. Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing and we'll pray. You need... You need victory over sin in your life. If, you, if you're today, if you're bound by sin, I, I got good news. God's promised you deliverance and freedom. I will bring you out and I will free you from being slaves to that same sin you keep falling into. I'll free you from the wounds of your past. You can get healing over those hurts and those broken hearts and that, that thing that happened to you. Here's the third one. I told you I'd preach about it. I told you I'd come back to this. God's promised you deliverance with authority. Number three, authority over the enemy. Simply defined, if, if sin is what I do and wounds are what you've done, this is what the devil has planned for you. Now here's the part that everybody thinks about deliverance, but it's true. That is you have a spiritual enemy, the devil, who will not sit by idly and let you make spiritual progress in your life. It will be a fight. It will be a battle. I don't know why somebody sold you a wrong Christianity if they told you you didn't ever have to fight. You got, now I don't think devils are around every corner, but I think they may be around every other corner. And I, 
I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think we're fighting more demonic activity today than at any other time in history. You know why? Because the devil knows his time is short. Jesus is on his way. The devil knows. The devil knows there's about to be a war. And he's going to be bound up and thrown into that lake of fire. And the Bible says when you and I get to heaven, we look on him narrowly. You know how you look on something narrowly? You squint your eyes. You're going to look at the devil. True story. Read it for yourself in Revelation. You're going to look at the devil and squint your eyes and think, that little old thing is what I thought. You mean I sacrificed. God, I feel what I'm preaching. I sacrificed my 40s for that thing? You mean to me I gave up joy in my marriage for that? You mean to me I gave up peace to sleep at night for that thing? The Bible said you've got authority over the enemy. You've got to walk in authority over the devil. I met with a dream teamer the other day who came to my office to talk to me. Their son is ready to get baptized. By the way, we're baptizing at the end of 21 days of prayer. It's going to be a fantastic party. I can't wait. If you've never been baptized, you need to be. And, and his son wants to get baptized. And, and he, he said, I'm going to be there next time. And, and so that, this is the time I had in my calendar. And then it was a little bit late. And I didn't see him. Well, it was a little bit later. I didn't see him. It was a little bit later. Now, I'm not really important. I'm kind of important, you know, and I had other stuff to do, you know. And they were a little bit late. And then they get there to my office, and, and so we, have, we don't have a lot of time, but he gets to my office, and he, and he sits down on my, just true story, sits down on my chair, and he goes, man, you don't know what kind of fight it was just to get here. Now, look at me. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You got a baby who's ready to, He's ready to go public with his faith. Already got, got saved last fall and then is ready to publicly proclaim. You think the devil's going to sit back and let you take spiritual ground? No way. You start tithing. See what happens. Money, you, you'll, it, it'll be amazing to you. You'll start thinking, I don't know what just happened. I put God first and I'm fighting more devils now than I've ever fought before. You come to 21 days of prayer, it'll be, I'm telling you, you'll fight every, I never hit a red light in Bernie, Texas, where I live until 21 days of prayer. And the devil turns every last one of them at five in the morning. I'm the only brother up. You think I'm kidding you. You've got a real enemy. You've got a real devil fighting you. But here's the good news. The Bible said he's given you authority over the enemy. He's given you authority. You've just got a part to play in this deliverance promise, in this promise of freedom. You've got victory over sin. You can get healing from your wounds. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6, finally, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. I love this. This, By the way, this is not a promise. This is a command. The command of the Lord is to be strong. Well, how am I strong, Pastor? I don't know. You got to get in that gym and work it out. This morning when I got up sneezing my head off because of the Saharan dust. Thank you, devil. When I get, you know what I did? I promised. You asked my I promised I was up early. I was gone for anybody woke up. I got in my truck. I had a prayer meeting in my truck. I said, devil, not today. We're not going to do this today. I got, I got a word to preach. I got to, get, I got to help people get free today. Listen, you know what I had to do? I had to be strong. 
You're going to have to build yourself up, the Bible says, in your most holy faith. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord and the power of His. Here's another thing you're going to have to do. Put on the full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against all the devil's schemes. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're in a fight, but God has promised us authority over the devil in your life. God's promised us deliverance. Now, if you're in church today and you think, I, I, we got to hurry. If you're in church and you think, man, I need this. I, 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 I'm saved. Close your Bibles and look at me. I'm saved, but man, I'm still dealing with all of this stuff. I'm out of Egypt, but I still got all this Egypt in me. I, I, I still battle the same sin, Pastor. I don't know how to get out of it. I, I still... I still struggle with clicking through and I end up somewhere I shouldn't on the internet. I need victory in, over this sin in my life. I still got anger problems. I still, I still got my mouth's a problem. I still, you need victory. God's promised you freedom. Maybe it's a wound that happened to you in your past. I'm telling you, this is the majority of people I meet. Maybe it's something that somebody said, a way you were raised. You didn't get to pick your family of origin. You may be thinking to yourself, why? Why, why was I, why am I her daughter? Why was I raised by him? What's something just the other day about a family constantly beaten? This child, and, and, and she made the statement on this video. I wanted to be like other kids whose dad didn't beat them. You don't know why. The wounds of your past. You don't have to stay wounded. God promises you healing. God promises you authority over the enemy. You feel like you've been fighting a devil for a long time. You feel like, man, I, I want out. And maybe you're sitting in church today feeling guilty, feeling like, uh, man, just a ton of shame. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have got myself into this. Here's what I want you to hear. Romans 8 and 1 says, So now there is no condemnation. For those who belong to Christ Jesus. If you've already made your way past the Red Sea, listen to me. If you've already made your way out of Egypt, there's no shame or guilt or condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, listen, this is this what I'm preaching to you. Because you belong to Him. Because He loves you so much to save you out of that mess. Because of the power of the life-giving Spirit that lives on the inside of you. Listen, it has freed you. It's made you free. And he that the Son has set free is free indeed. Bow your heads all over the church. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for people today who are bound, struggling, worried, messed up. People who feel like all of hell's come against them, fighting the devil. People who've had wounds in their past that they just can't get past. People who have fought the same sin for decades, ready to move past it. Saved, but bound. I pray in this very moment for the spirit of freedom.
deliverance. I pray for people to walk in sanctification, to, to get up tomorrow and decide, I refuse to be this way. I refuse to be a victim to my circumstances. I refuse to be bound by this sin anymore. I'm going to walk in deliverance. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to walk in healing and wholeness. If that's you, nobody's looking around. Our team's already in place. Nobody's looking. If that's you and you want to be included in this final prayer, would you just shoot a hand up fast and say, listen, I'm on my way to heaven. I just got issues. I see you. I see you. I see you. Both hands. I see you. I'm saved. I just got issues. And I'm ready to be delivered. Now listen, if you raised your hand or if you didn't, you got a part to play. You got to get up today. You got to get up tomorrow and decide to walk in freedom. Lord Jesus, I pray for sincere hearts, hands raised, hearts elevated to God, ready for freedom. Holy Spirit, I pray, do what we can't do. Holy Spirit, I pray, work in areas that have been previously closed off to God. As we open our hearts to you today, I just pray that, God, you'll give supernatural strength. That there'd be some final victory over sin. There'd be some final healing over wounds. There'd be some real authority over the enemy. I just declare that in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer, listen, you got work to do. You got to get around the right people. You got to get in a group. You got to get in a church family. I'd love for this to be that family to walk with you in deliverance and freedom. But you got to get up tomorrow and decide, I am free. And he that the Son has set free is free indeed. I thank you for deliverance. Come on, tell him that. Come on, as you let all that pain go and all that sin go, as you relinquish all of that, as you give all of that to God, just tell him, thank you for making me free. Thank you for not just saving me, but delivering me, making me free and whole. I'm going to get around people who help me walk in freedom. I'm going to do it, God. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to walk out this grace you've been so good to give me. If you've never given your heart to Jesus in this same posture of prayer, I never want to close church out without giving you a chance to surrender it all to God. It's really the first step. You can't be free if you're still in Egypt. You need to, you need to decide to be saved. The Bible said that the last plague was the death angel would pass over all of Egypt, every firstborn of every house, of every animal. Every firstborn would die. The only thing that the death angel would recognize is the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lintel. And today, you can have that blood of the lamb applied to your heart. It's very simple. It costs you everything. It costs you your whole life. Today, I want to lead you in that kind of prayer to receive that. I can't pray it for you, but I can pray it along with you. Matter of fact, we'll all pray it. Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood that you shed to pay for my sins to make me right with God I repent of all of my sins and I receive that grace I receive your forgiveness wash me in the blood cleanse my mind my heart cleanse me of all of my sin all of my selfishness I give my life to you today come on tell him save me be the Lord of my life in Jesus name and everybody shout amen. Come on, let's give God praise for everybody who prayed that prayer. Come on, do better than that. Give God praise for his word today, everybody. Yeah. 
Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.